0: I'm George Anderson. I've been at Second Presbyterian Church a long time.
1: And I'm Rachel Thompson, and I have been at Second Presbyterian not nearly as long as George has. No,
0: we have two different perspectives, and that's why we're both going to give the sermon that you're about to listen to.
1: This is a new chapter in the life of our church. We're really excited about it, and we hope you will be too.
0: Let us pray. Holy God, help us find Jesus where he said he could be found. We'll begin our search by listening to scripture and listening for your voice in the sermon. Amen. Our passage this morning describes Jesus having a final word with his disciples before he was lifted from their sight. When Reverend Thompson reads the passage, have in mind what the disciples who are with Jesus on the mountaintop have been through. They have trusted Jesus to be their guide to better know and love God. And because they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah who would gather and lead a restored people of God, a new Israel, they followed Jesus everywhere in and out of Galilee and Samaria and even into Jerusalem when it was scary to do so. And there it went wrong. It went horribly wrong. An arrest on false charges led quickly to a politically expedient crucifixion. And that was it. Hopes dashed. The movement ended. An arc that began when he called them to follow ended when he died. And then only three days later, having had their lives turned on in, their lives were turned inside out for the grave was discovered empty. And then Jesus stood before them alive, fresh wounds in his hands inside. And still their world kept shifting. Jesus tells them that he is going to leave them again in body, though not in spirit. But before he is to leave them behind, he had something to say to them and they were to carefully listen to him before he goes. Let us listen carefully. Listen with the ears of disciples then, and the ears of disciples today.
1: A reading from Acts, chapter 1. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Rachel and I will offer this sermon together because we want to speak to something in which we are both heavily invested. We will go back and forth as speakers and back and forth between the disciples gathered on Mount Olivet and the Second Presbyterian Church community gathered for worship on Mountain Avenue.
1: We begin with the risen Jesus and his friends. They're standing on Mount Olivet, which just to give you a sense is about a thousand feet higher than Mill Mountain, not quite as high as McAfee Knob. So it would only take a couple of hours for the disciples to climb, but it's a climb that brings amazing perspective. From this height, it's easy to look out over the city of Jerusalem and well into Israel. So it makes sense that the disciples' imagination reaches what they can see. They ask, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel?
0: The question sounds parochial, but I understand. I mean, generally, my focus is on where I live and work, my family, beginning with Millie and the girls, and certainly the local congregation that I have been called to serve. It's what I see. The disciples see Israel, and I see Second Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. And when I first arrived here at what was already a strong church, I worked with the session and congregation to craft a long range plan and the work was worth it. This plan did not sit on a shelf. It led to disciple Bible study, evening Bible school, a church retreat, expanded lectures, picnic Sunday in the country. The list is too long to keep going. Now we added outreach programs too, like Family Promise, serving Highland Park Elementary, a prison visitation ministry, mission trips to the Dominican Republic. We increased our outreach budget, but the plan was clear. Our first priority was on building the life and ministry of this family of faith so that we could be the strongest possible faith community and make a real difference in the lives of those who came in these doors and became a part of our life together.
1: And that was good. The depth of connection, study, and energy present here in this church is a strong witness to the good but difficult news that through Jesus we all belong to each other in God's family. I'm so grateful for the ways that the programs of this church have provided a structure that makes exciting new ministry possible. For example, right now, there are kids in our youth group who have never been part of a church before. That is a huge opportunity. And it's happened in large part because this congregation has intentionally prioritized programs for Christian education and has intentionally prioritized the youth and young adults in our community. I'm so grateful for the work that began long before I got here. The work that you all did to build up this family of faith was good.
0: And in the midst of all that good work, we had to face a challenge. We had facilities that were not adequate for our expanded life and ministry. And after years of study, we came up with a plan for construction and renovation. But then hit the 2008 recession. The timing seemed terrible. But in 2009, we launched into a $5.5 million capital campaign. And somehow, during a recession, we managed not only to maintain our level of giving to missions but by God's grace and your generosity, we transformed our facilities as a church home.
1: And that was good too. I've walked into a lot of church buildings in my life and I can tell you it is clear to me from the welcoming space of Kirk Hall to the well-equipped classrooms to the intersection youth house across the street that this church takes seriously the formation that happens within these walls. But it's funny, even though George says that the number one priority of that first long-range plan was on building the congregation, when I got here, I found a church that also had a heart for missions, for reaching God's family beyond these walls. One of my assignments is to serve as the staff liaison for the Service and Outreach Committee, and as I looked over our benevolence budget and heard stories from countless individuals it became clear that what had happened over time was that having strong connections within the church had led to equally strong connections and partnerships beyond the walls of the church.
0: Here's what we said about mission outreach in that first plan, and it's something that almost every church says, but not every church can achieve. We hoped We believed that a time would come when we would leverage our strength as a church to make a dramatic jump in making a difference in the world beyond our membership. We want to be a strong family of faith, but not as an end in itself. Our purpose is to make a witness to Roanoke and beyond of God's healing, saving, reconciling grace. And we've been getting there. I mean, during my two decades plus ministry, we've been able to take on mission challenges at what I would call a reasonable pace. I would even say a planned pace. One year we began a new focus on at-risk families, another year on at-risk children, another year on prisoners and their families, and so on. But then last year, in 2019, we lost control of timing. Not one by one, but all at once, four of our most significant mission partners, four of the ministries with which for years we have been closely tied, came to us to say that they needed significant support from us to take a major needed step forward.
1: And to be clear, not a single one of these mission partners came to us in panic or in a crisis. Just like what happened here Each of their challenges came because of successful ministry that had grown beyond what their facilities could handle, ministry that would be held back without some major construction or renovation.
0: I honestly can't remember the order in which they came to us. So we'll start with the ministries serving the areas that you could see if you were standing on top of Mill Mountain underneath the star. The first is Family Promise.
1: Family Promise is a ministry that houses families in crisis and in danger of homelessness. Week by week, these families, mostly single moms with children, are given shelter in church facilities like ours. In the midst of financial crises, Family Promise steps in to help keep families together and to give these children stability and shelter. Their success rate is incredible. 90% of Family Promise participants move into permanent housing after the program. Now, our church is blessed with the Alpha Omega facility house that's right across the street, and the session has designated it for mission, particularly for Family Promise. It's a blessing to have the AO house, but it's also a responsibility. In its current disrepair, The house doesn't represent the hospitality that we feel a church needs to show to those Jesus most wants us to serve. We also want to keep the house's maintenance off the church budget so that we can direct most of our giving towards ministry. Looking forward, we want to provide a house that is safe, welcoming, and more hospitable. But the current space is holding us back. The fire marshal, by the way, agrees with us on that point. (laughs) So that's one. Here's two. The Presbyterian Community Center is a hub of resources, support, and hope in Southeast Roanoke. We have been partners in mission since its founding over five decades ago. The work that the PCC does in its many programs is transformative. And nowhere is this more evident than in their Pathways program. Pathways provides support for students and their families from elementary school all the way through high school. And for the past decade, students in their program have had a 100% high school graduation rate. That is impressive. The program is growing. And the only thing that is holding them back from reaching more families is that they just don't have sufficient space. The director and board members of the PCC have shared that major funds are needed to either renovate or replace their facilities on Jamison Avenue.
0: I think you can see it coming. We also were approached by two other mission partners who do their work beyond what can be seen from the top of Mill Mountain. I'm gonna voice something that many of us would be tempted to say. Our church is in Roanoke, Virginia. And we need to serve where we are planted. Our question of Jesus is Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom in Roanoke, in the Southeast community for families in crisis?
1: Jesus answers them Yes, in Jerusalem, but also Judea, which is the southern half of Israel, and also Samaria, which is on the other side of Israel's border, and also to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling the disciples that to be his body in the world, their vision and heart has to go where his vision and heart goes. It has to go beyond those who we know, those we love, those who live where we live, those who are just like us or are on our side. Our calling is to be about what Jesus was about. And he was about the healing and reconciliation of the whole world. The disciples may have wanted control over the timing. (laughs) They may have wanted to say, Jews first, Gentiles later, us first, them later, here now, over there later. But let's be honest, later so easily becomes never. Jesus says, when I leave, walk down the mountain and spread the gospel where you live. Absolutely serve your people, but you are my body, so serve my people. And that means those who live where you can see, And those who live beyond.
0: So we listened to God's call and looked beyond our sight. About the same time as Family Promise and PCC approached us, Ted Feinauer invited me out to lunch. Ted is a member of this church and a member of the board of Union Presbyterian Seminary. Our church has strong ties to Union because they have trained the vast majority of the ministers who have preached from this pulpit. Including Dr. Hollingsworth, Dr. Klein, Reverend Link, and myself. We have hosted seminary interns from Union. Two of our members are currently students at Union. For the past 13 years, Second Presbyterian and Union have co sponsored the Trent Symposium for Newly Ordained Ministers. Our relationship goes way back. But the center of that relationship isn't financial. The center of that relationship is the fact that training ministers is a huge priority for this congregation. We know that our world needs to hear from voices that have been shaped by good theology and who have been trained to build healthy communities of faith. The church needs leaders, and we want to do our part to help raise them up. And so does union. But they need more space. Ted, let me know that the seminary needs to open a new leadership institute center primarily to do what we are so invested in doing and that is nurturing pastors already ordained. And as a powerful and personal sign of our long partnership with them, they plan to name the new leadership facility in honor of our pastor emeritus, Dr. William R. Klein. And then there is the final mission partner who came to us. We've heard for years about what Solid Rock International is trying to accomplish and that is build a new clinic in San Juan de la Maguana. In less than a month, we will send our 18th medical mission team to the Dominican Republic to serve in a clinic that they want to replace. As you heard earlier from Joe Zimmerman, the clinic is small and sits in a floodplain. I've been there when it's been flooded and once it was flooded to half of its height so you can see why they need to move out of the floodplain. We are so connected to this mission that we have several members who serve or have served on its board. One member, Ken Potter, working on the Solid Rock staff still. Well, Ken came to us to tell us that the new clinic, really a hospital, has been mostly constructed, but the project still needs a million and a half dollars to push it to completion, and they need our help.
1: I wanna say just a little bit more about why we've been so deeply connected to these four organizations for so long. Part of it is certainly financial. Of the congregations who support these four groups, our church has been at the top of the list or among the top few for a long time. They count on us, but it's more than that. I'm about to ask some of you to stand up if you're able, so be ready. Will you stand or stay standing if you've ever supported Solid Rock International, gone on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, or sent someone in your family on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic? Will you stand? Y'all can stay standing. Now, will you stand if you've ever done something to help host families with family promise? If you've spent the night, or made a meal, or cleaned up the AO house, will you stand? <laughs> And will you stand if you've ever supported or volunteered at the Presbyterian Community Center, or if you've brought food for Hunger Busters or helped with Hunger Busters delivery? Will you stand? I just want y'all to take a second and look around this sanctuary. See how many people are on their feet. Thank you. Y'all can take your seats again. You'll notice that I did not ask you to stand if you've ever been involved with Union Presbyterian Seminary, because given how many Union-educated ministers we've had, basically everyone else would have had to stand up, too. (laughs) But you can see, just by looking around this room, these organizations aren't separate from us. They're not out there somewhere. These are our people.
0: It was overwhelming at first to have all four approaches at the same time. I mean, who were we going to refuse to help? But when the ministers, finance committee, treasurers in session thought about it and prayed about it, we realized that because these are our people, their challenges are our challenges, their causes are our causes, what they are seeking to do, help at-risk families in Roanoke, Transform the Southeast Roanoke neighborhood, nurture ministers for the sake of the larger church, and be a part of ministering to the poorest of the poor in San Juan. All of that is what we have been about for a long, long time. And so after study and prayer, we decided to launch a mission build campaign, hoping through pledges and gifts to raise over the next three years $1.6 million. I'm convinced that God has been leading this congregation to this place for years. I mean, churches often talk about someday when it comes to doing something dramatic to make a difference in the world. Oh, if only one day we could. Well, we've done it before and it's our time to do it again. Our someday is today. I mean, it's for such a moment that I went into ministry. It is part of the reason why this church was formed and why elders have organized and members given their money. A moment that we regularly pray for, make us servants in the world, has arrived in a unique way. We are a strong congregation with a vibrant life, and now we have the opportunity to do something that will have major ripple effects of transformation that will continue for generations. As someone who has served here for two decades plus, it seems as if a moment has arrived.
1: George talks about it like we've arrived, and I get that. I'm grateful for the history that has led us up to this point. But I know that George understands where I'm coming from when I say that to me it's less about the arc of history that has led us up to this moment. The real joy for me is when I look forward. From my view, the ark points forward. Those disciples on the mountaintop, they'd had a long history with Jesus. But when he ascended, he left them as a new church with a future. The whole history of the Jesus movement stretched out in front of them. And we have a future too. A future of following the risen Jesus wherever his spirit leads, here at home in Roanoke, in our nation, and in our world. So, for those of us who are new to the church, and for those who have been here forever, this is our opportunity to say that we didn't just join this church, this Jesus movement. We didn't just join this church to mess around. We're serious about being what this church was created and has been striving to be a church of Jesus Christ that proclaims the gospel of justice, compassion, and reconciliation.
0: After Jesus was physically gone, angels asked the disciples, Why are you looking up? If you want to find Jesus, go look where he said his spirit would meet you in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth.
1: So let's go. Let's go to the streets of Roanoke, to the school in Richmond that serves the nation and the church, to the clinic in the Dominican Republic, and to the ends of the earth. Let's go. That's where we'll find Jesus. Amen. Amen. Second Presbyterian Finding Direction by Following Jesus